We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire teamed up with Greg Olson of the Seattle Seahawks to launch his brand new pod, TE1. Greg sat down with some of the best tight ends in NFL history to go in depth on the evolution of the tight end position. Panther fans will not want to miss out on listening to our old pal Chop It Up with some of the best ever to lace him up, from Ditka to Kittle, all the way down to Cole Komet. We have you covered. Check the description box for a link to the feed or just search TE1 anywhere you listen to your podcast. And just like Greg revolutionized the tight end position, you can revolutionize your football experience with NFL Sunday Ticket by DirecTV. Catch all the out-of-market games every week on all your devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Go to NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for 15% off. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and promo code Blue Wire. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's up and welcome to another Buzz Beat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This episode is brought to you by our partners, Sunday Ticket, TheraOne CBD, and Bet Online. On the last episode, uh, we gave our live reaction to the Hornets moving up in the lottery. Uh, and now that we've had about five days to let it sink in, we're going to talk about it some more. Uh, this is Richie, and I'll be joined by Brian and Spencer today. Brian, it feels like every day I wake up and I just want to check the news and check check the headlines to make sure that the Hornets are still picking third. Because every time I think about this, uh, the lottery happening, I, I still think we're picking eighth. It's crazy to me. Is, is that is that how you feel? Yeah, it, it feels a little surreal still. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to the moment I saw the, the, the eighth pick card get flipped last Thursday night while we were doing the draft show live. And uh, they're not being a purple and teal, you know, Hornet staring back at me on the screen. Pretty amazing. Um, shout out to Devontae Graham uh, for getting the job done, bringing the, the lottery luck. But yeah, no, it's 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 a little bit of excited of excitement. I mean, this is certainly not the the best draft to have moved up in, and and we can talk about how there are plenty of pitfalls to be drafting at you know three or four in this draft, uh, more so than maybe any other year 
in, in recent, in recent memory. Um, but it still brings a lot of positives to the table as well. It opens up some possibilities in terms of long-term team build going forward. And, and I really do think I, I said this the other week and I'll, I'll say this again um, tonight and perhaps even again later on in the podcast, but like, I think it's a really good opportunity for the Hornets to think of um, and for people that follow the team to think of, this is the first of, you know, hopefully two straight top four picks. And what does that mean from a talent acquisition standpoint? Um, I think that that is significant as far as team building goes. Yeah, it is, definitely is. Um, you know, you definitely have to remind yourself every morning, you know, waking up. I think uh, when it really started to hit, uh, the most predictable uh, thing on, on Hornets Earth was uh, when you started to see you know, the jerseys photo, photo cropped onto Anthony Edwards and the Lamelo ball, uh, you know, and James Wiseman's body on the internet. And you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. So this is going to happen for the next X, X amount of days until the draft actually does happen. Um, which doesn't sound like October 16th now, but no, it's great. You know, I mean, this is the asset itself just increases, um, by leaps and bounds, right. By just having mm-hmm. a third pick, regardless of what Charlotte does with it. Uh, if they trade it beforehand, even if they pick, uh, the player at three, which I, I think they will, I think they're going to make a selection here and not trade the pick. And, mm-hmm. um, regardless of how that guy ends up, he's going to come, he's going to start the league with more value league wide, right. Then, than the eighth pick would regardless of whether the eighth pick ends up being better than the third. So that's just an advantage for Charlotte across the board, really, no matter what happens and, and what they decide to do. Um, so very exciting. Uh, Charlotte needed this. It's fan base needed this. I needed this. So <laughs> we all needed this. Now let's talk about it. Yeah. So we're definitely going to talk about the, the prospects who we would narrow down and consider for this, this third overall pick. But I, I do want to get into Mitch Kupchak. He had an interview post lottery with former guest of the show, Ashley Shamity, and he is still harping on BPA. So I think a lot of fans are wondering if the Hornets are going to try to draft a center because center is a position of need. But I think Mitch Kupchak is, I'm liking the fact that he's been very consistent in what he is saying. You know, he keeps saying that we don't have enough talent to go out and just draft by position. And he even makes a mention of this in the interview with Ashley that it was brought up, you know, do you factor in maturity level? And he says, yes, you do factor in maturity level, but it could get dicey if you want to take on a, a, you know, a swing on talent with someone that might have maturity issues. It, it is a tough decision that they have to make. So I think Mitch has been very consistent in his message in terms of the approach that they're going to take come October, if that's the actual draft date, that they are going to be focusing on talent and talent alone. And if that somehow overrides some of our better, more loaded, quote unquote, positions, he's going to go for the drafting of that of that specific player. So I don't think that the Hornets are going to be looking at a center just because they need a center. Now, if they feel that a Kongwu or Wiseman is a top talent in their eyes, then yeah, sure, go for it. I don't personally believe that they, especially Wiseman, deserves a top three pick. But you guys liking what you're hearing from Mitch Kupchak so far? I mean, yes, I think there's, I think there's value. I think there's merit, uh, should I say, to both Hey, look, there's a, there's a good chance that we might not draft the most mature kid in this draft, but he, he's going to be the most talented, at least in our eyes. I think that that is absolutely a prudent and, and correct way to look at this thing, especially when you consider 
although it looks like the Hornets should have a top five pick again next year, you don't know when you're going to be at number three again. I mean, the lottery rules just changed. So even if you stink, uh, we saw at the Knicks and a few in Cleveland, uh, you can be pushed back. I mean, tanking has been been de uh, incentivized, and we saw it work at the first lottery. So. You know, I, I think Kupchak's right from that sense. It's like, we don't know when we'll have a top three pick again. This is our shot. We have got to swing for the fences. And I think a lot of Hornets fans um, have been saying that's that's the route we should be taking, uh, regardless of where we are in the lottery with the, with the lack of talent we have on this roster right now. I think there's also a train of thought that would say, if immaturity is staring you in the face and you know it, Take, take a swing at your own risk. Um, and and I think it can backfire just as quickly as it could pay off. And so, and there's no right answer here. But, you know, I do think there's some guys in this draft that are certainly talented but are going to come to specifically really one in my mind that's going to come with things that you just better be ready for because it's real. It's going to be there every single day. And if you don't have the infrastructure personnel-wise to deal with it in the front office – on a coaching level from a leadership perspective in your locker room, it can tear down everything you've built. And so I just hope that the Hornets are ready for that. So anyways, I think there's two sides to this story and they can both be right. Yeah. I think a couple things, first off, like uh, agree with everything uh, Spencer just said there. And, and I I did a radio hit uh, in Winston Salem last Friday, I think the day after the lottery, got like had this this conversation between Mitch and Ashley was played and they asked me about the quote and just like it's exactly what you would you should want your your chief executive of basketball operations to be saying right now like like almost all 30 teams should be thinking about that there are exceptions to that certainly because teams that are in win now mode you know maybe are thinking for fit and stuff like that but like just no one in Charlotte is kidding themselves they realize that they need talent they need to upgrade talent in that there is nobody on the roster right now, even though there's some good young players that's like, can't miss, you know? And so they've got to just do whatever they can to go out there and bring in as much surefire talent as they possibly can. And luckily for them, they've got three picks in the draft, two in the top 32 and one in the top three, actually. So that all of that is very good. And yeah, if you're, if you're getting into any discussions about, uh, if you're thinking about prospects, you know, as far as character or baggage or anything like that, like you're really talking about one guy because from all intents and purposes, everything about Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman is these are like great young guys. I don't have any reason to sort of like uh, worry, question those things with LaMelo Ball. In fact, I, I think maybe sometimes we worry too much that the Ball family circus you know, the, that, that comes along with him. And, and therefore, you know, does that make LaMelo like a tough teammate? Like, I, I don't know, like whoever drafted him is going to find out. But for me right now, that's not quite like a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned about it, even though like it is obviously something that will have to be factored into um, decision-making process. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body 
and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get for TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. We're going to go ahead and talk about some of the prospects that uh, are going to be in that range. Obviously, if we were picking eighth, uh, there's just so many variables that can come about as to who that prospect could be. So now that we have it narrowed down, uh, you could you know, technically have a big board of just three players and you'd be good to go. Uh, in terms of the players that are going to be available for the Hornets to select, I want us to kind of come up with a, a crop of players that you would feel comfortable selecting. It may not be your favorite prospect, but you would feel comfortable selecting. So let me, let me just kind of list off some names. And if you would disagree or agree, or if you want to add someone to this list, uh, we can we could talk about them. So Edwards, Ball, Hayes, Wiseman, Advia, Okongwu. Are there any of other players out there and it's okay that you think that should be mm-hmm. considered for the top three pick uh, of the ones you just mentioned i i would say wiseman i i really wouldn't have him on my radar okay right this second and he probably won't show up on my radar under the circumstances that we're living in gms are living in because you're not going to be able to get him in and work him out and you're not going to be able to have a face-to-face conversation with him and and so i i just think that that's going to eliminate certain guys from big boards quicker and then maybe other big boards it, it won't eliminate them as quick but um if you got a top three pick that you know those of the players you you mentioned wiseman would be the one that that i wouldn't have there and then ball i would i would have there but mm-hmm. i would be doing more homework on him than any of these other guys for the reason you know that what brian was mentioning a minute ago about the character issues i have no reason to believe that he has serious character issues either i would i would be making sure that I had really good sources in the Australian basketball league, which it sounds like the Hornets did their work on that last year. They had scouts there watching him and RJ Hampton, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So I think they do have information. Uh, I would be doubling down on that information at every single corner because I do think it's a concern with the ball family. I, the Lakers had some equity and and probably some cash to, to keep Mr. Ball quiet um, that the Hornets don't have. And 
I think that's a thing. Like, I do think that he, Papa um, Ball, is going to be a little louder if his youngest baby is in a small market and if something starts to go wrong. I, look, that's conjecture, but that's a gut feeling. Uh, I, I think it's going to be different in a smaller market, and that that does make me nervous. And that's where I think that the ball circus Yes, it can be overplayed, but I don't think that it's just always overplayed, especially in the situation maybe like like Charlottesville. Yeah, well, uh, Wiseman is the one guy that I would peel off from that. There's no one I could really think to add. There's no there's there's part of me that like wants to say uh, Devin Vassell, but um, three even three is probably like a little too high given some of the other potential talent that's on the board. So I will, before I jump off that cliff, I will grab myself and try to ground myself as before mentioning uh, Vassell as a possible top three candidate. So yeah, I would, I would peel off Wiseman. I, I really wouldn't go to Wiseman until later in the lottery at the absolute earliest so yeah, but yeah, of that pool, you've, you've, you've said it. And, and I think you can even nail it down a little bit further. Like I like Denny, but, yeah, it, and I think Denny's going to be a good player in the NBA for a long time. But um, three is—I I have no problem with him mentioning being mentioned in this discussion. If I was just coming up with my own little small big board for for pick three, you know, it really just sort of like stops and starts with Edwards, Ball, uh, Hayes, and Okongwu. Um, yep. Yeah. That's that's the way I lean to. I, I I included those players because one, I feel like Advia just seems like a Hornets E type of pick. And I know a lot of people are gonna be clamoring for Wiseman, even among Hornets fans. So mm-hmm. I put out a poll on BuzzBeat. As of the time of this recording, uh, the four players that I inserted into this poll were Edwards, Ball, Hayes, and Wiseman. And Ball is actually leading it at 35%. Edwards is second at 31%. Wiseman is third at 25%, and then farther back, we have Hayes at 9%. So it seems like a lot of our listeners really, really want LaMelo Ball. And he, of the players that are on this poll, he he would be behind Edwards and Hayes for me. I know, you know, Spencer kind of brought this up in terms of maybe his maturity issue, but I love the guy. In ter- it, it's, it's a question of talent versus production with me. I, I see the high upside with LaMelo Ball. He's very flashy, he's, but he's also very effective when it comes to passing the ball. He can look off defenders in the pick and roll. He can thread the needle on the pick and roll. Um, and even with his flair and his flashiness, he doesn't actually turn the ball over all that much at a, at a crazy mm-hmm. rate. Um, his size at 6'7 definitely is going to help him on you know the rebounding side. And this obviously turns into transition offense. And to me, he's a relatively high IQ player. If you take out the shot selection, I think he can kind of see the game ahead and his instincts just kind of take over. Uh, But there's just some things that scare me about ball, whether it's him just being, you know, too too nonchalant on defense, uh, his his poor shot mechanics. He's more of a volume shooter than he is kind of like a, a pure shooter. He kind of reminds me of Westbrook in a way on defense where he goes rogue sometimes. He doesn't get in the stance always. He loses his men off ball. So ball, I totally understand the upside, and I get why maybe our listeners love him. And I know, Brian, out of the three of us, you're probably the highest on ball. But yeah, I think to me, so. To me, to yeah. me, I just I cannot – I'm kind of – my stock on him is going down for me. That, But, mm-hmm. again, I, I, I get it. 
I, I understand, and, it, and I'm glad you brought up like the the gambling defensively. We talked about that when we did the, the pot on him a couple months ago, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he fits defensively into the NBA. There are there are very real concerns, and and we'll see really where how he evolves as a team defender because ultimately that's going to be sort of what sets his floor as a defender. You know, can he keep up some of those event creation habits, the steals, um, without you know, sort of like the insane gambling and, and perimeter ball watching that that sort of plagued his play. It's it's crazy also too that this guy isn't you know Lamelo Ball hasn't played <laughs> Lamelo Ball and James Wiseman haven't played a real basketball game since last November, which is like <laughs> also just a crazy thing to think about. Same with um, R.J. Hampton as well too, I believe. But I do worry about the shot a little bit. His mechanics are a bit of a mess, but they've gotten better. And I think he's never going to be like a knockdown pull up, you know, mm-hmm. a one stud, but I think he'll eventually get to league average on those, those pull up shots. And if he does that, it opens up so much with his size, his yeah. passing genius. He has a really good handle, really creative passer can attack bigs um, when they're on their back heels. But yeah, a lot of it's going to come down to like, can he be a guy that makes like, you know, 30 36% of his pull up threes from for him to like hit his, you know, his utmost, uh, you know, it's sort of like get to get anywhere near his ceiling. He's got to become like a guy that can make, you know, 35, 36, 37% of those pull up threes and what that's going to end up doing for his gravity and his ability to initiate pick and roll in the half court. Like I do think already, with his ability to to pass and to, to help out an offense and to at the, at the bare minimum be a connector, I think it's going to help him be an effective offensive piece. But that also comes with him buying into a role, which it seemed like Lonzo had in New Orleans until things went, man, the Pelicans were weird down in the bubble. And, and perhaps maybe there is a little bit of pushback against, you know, Zoe not getting to be like sort of like a, you know, an A1 a half court initiator, but um, yeah, just look ball, his ability to change directions. He's a good pick and roll passer, a really good pick and pop passer. I think that fits with PJ as well too. And, but the one thing I, I, I would also like to add too is I think there is something to be said about this notion that the Timberwolves right now uh, that have, they have the number one pick and they have a front office that is filled with a lot of, um, people that was filled with people that used to work for Daryl Morey in Houston. Uh, Gerson Rojas uh, is, is the, mm-hmm. you know, he's the, the, the power man here and a player like LaMelo ball, I think is someone, if they keep the pick, I could see him very easily going to one because he sort of fits their paradigm. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but just he fits their paradigm for how they think offensive basketball should be able to be played tempo, you know, wide open half court, pick and roll, shooting lots of threes, pull up shooting. Um, He makes more sense in that, in that realm than someone like Anthony Edwards, even though Edwards has pull up game and step back shooting game, it can pass a little bit as well too. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I mean, I have no doubt the little mellow ball like of these top five, six prospects we've, Rich, you mentioned earlier that he's probably got the best feel for the game. Like he's got the highest IQ. Maybe there's a an argument to be made for Killian Hayes, but that's not my concern. I mean, his his feel and his passing ability and his his you know his change of direction. He plays at his own pace. I mean, we see guys all across the league now. They don't have to be uber athletic to be very very productive. If you can't speed them up then they're going to be hard to stop. 
And so I think LaMelo can be one of those guys. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Brian mentioned a lot of things. I, the shot worries me. I, it has gotten a little better, but I still think you basically have to tear it down and rebuild it. I mean, it's the mechanics are, are that are that wonky. Now the Hornets have some, you know, they've got a, a, a very short track record here of, of helping some guys with their shots. I mean, I think Cody Martin is, is a great example and, and what Caleb did specifically. Cody's numbers weren't good, but I thought the shot looked better and Caleb's numbers were certainly good. You know, I, again, I, I would be I would be interested in, in what his teammates have to say about him. Uh, you know, in his in his short stint in Australia. You know, the defensive upside to me, the Steels numbers look good on paper. Uh, but you guys brought up what it looks like on film. It's just like, wow. I mean, you you've com- literally compromised the entire defensive possession with some of these chances and risks that you're you're taking jumping passing lanes. So, yeah, I mean, there's concerns, but, again, I do think he's got the best IQ of these top guys. And that's a good point Brian makes about Minnesota, kind of how they want to play. He fits into that. I think that's – I think what they do there is just – it's a huge question mark, and you see all kinds of different opinions on it and ideas on it right now, and it's going to shape the rest of the draft. Um, So – Some of that may depend, too, on how they think of uh, D'Angelo Russell going forward, too. Um, Yeah, exactly. I I, I tend to think he's – uh, miscast as like uh, I mean I like I D'Angelo Russell is like a, a a good player, a good offensive player, and he had sort of like a fake All Star season a year ago. But there's some stuff he does really really well. He's like he can shoot off the dribble. He can you know he he can really pass. Um, a little too reliant on floaters and some inefficient shot selection. Uh, for for my taking for him to be sort of like your main perimeter guy. And so yeah, it's like you you know. You could put Lamelo in there, and, and then say, and then, but then you got to sort of figure out, you know, who's uh, who's the one playing with the ball most. They both would have it a lot, as would Towns, and then you just surround those guys with as, as much shooting and defense as you possibly could. But yeah, yeah it, it's interesting to think about how that how how that would work in Minnesota right. with those guys. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it is like some of it makes sense, like you said, like philosophically, Brian, how they would want to play. My big question with Lamelo is, it's like, and and high usage players, just like like Trey Young types, uh, Luka Doncic, obviously, you want to you want him to have the ball all the time, but like unless you really know they're going to move the needle for you in your offense, like it, it, they're going to make you better day one. I get nervous about those kind of guys that just yeah. need to have it in their hands all the time mm-hmm. and Lamelo is going to be one of those guys he's not going to give you anything off ball at least not early I mean he'd have to learn to be a cutter and learn to stay engaged off the ball it's not it's not something he does and that, <laughs> right now so yeah and that's something to consider with uh with Edwards too um yeah, yeah. who like I mean Edwards has a as a gorgeous shot you know it's not it, his his form is you know leaps and bounds better than Lamelo's. he's got a like high release just explosive looking shot that he can get off from, from deep off the catch um, and off the dribble. But I think he's limited in some respects as a spot up player, at least right now, like he doesn't shoot off movement all that much. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like if, if UGA runs him off down screens or whatever, like he still wants to get the ball and feel it and pound it and stuff like that. But there's some, there's some like, you know, relocation skills that are, that are probably encouraging and you can build on and, and, and I mean Edwards is is you know so young too uh, that there's there's a lot of room for growth and one of the, and that is also one of the reasons why I'm sort of starting to come around on him as like uh, as a as a 
real possibility at three yes. for Charlotte. Come on over, Brian. Come on over. There. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> not fully converted yet. Uh, but uh, but I I like I I rewatched a couple Anthony Edwards games the last two days. I actually watched. Went back and rewatched uh, the Memphis Oregon game, uh, so I could see a little more James Wiseman again. Um, that was less encouraging than anything I saw with uh, Anthony Edwards by by a pretty considerable margin, actually. And I, and I think we mentioned this on the live reaction show that we're probably going to be drafting someone because if if you take out the center position, if you think that uh, Wiseman or Okongwu is just too high at three, uh, and or you just don't want to draft a center that high, we're probably going to be drafting that's going to be playing next to Devontae. And LaMelo Ball, you know, he's six seven, so height-wise, physical-wise, it makes sense to play him next to Devontae, but then you have the issues on the offensive side. Who's going to handle the ball? Probably LaMelo would more often with Devontae off the ball. Uh, LaMelo on defense, even though he has the size, he can't lock in, so I don't know how that makes your team better defensively. Uh, and Brian, you mentioned Edwards. Ed- Edwards is the guy that I favor at three. If he's there, uh, I would you know snatch him up in a heartbeat. I think when I originally saw that Minnesota was selecting number one overall, uh, I think with D'Angelo Russell, I thought maybe they would just go Edwards versus Lamelo. But there could be a scenario in which Lamelo is drafted first overall. There's a lot of people that think Edwards that have Edwards mocked to them yes, too. Right. Like that, that, that may actually be the like the popular consensus. Honestly, he's probably. I think he's the cleanest fit. Like into yeah. that. Yeah, into that exactly. roster as yes. currently concerned. I mean, when you consider how much D'Angelo Russell needs the ball, I, I just I think I think placing Lamelo next to him would be difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I can see how it could work, but yeah, I, I think that most mocks, like if you looked at them all, most have Edwards to Minnesota. But I'm I'm with you, Richie. I, I've got I've got Edwards is my number one guy, and I just look. It's such a fascinating debate between Edwards and Lamelo. Lamelo specifically, because you're talking about a guy Lamelo who sees the game, understands the game. You know, one chain link above everyone else's age. Most guys on the court, that's special. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Edwards has this frame and this physicality and this athleticism and this first step um, and this two-way potential that, like nobody, no other wing in this draft even comes close to. And that's why he's number one on my board. I mean, there have been so many examples of these kind of guys that have failed right in a big way so there's there's huge volatility for anthony edwards but if he puts it together um just in terms of learning how to play the game on both ends because uh, he struggles on both ends but if he figures it out he's he's got you know all-star caliber all nba yeah. caliber i think upside and i and i just don't i don't see the two-way potential for any other player in this draft that, you know, that's being mentioned in the top five, six. And so when you've got a draft like this with so many question marks and you talk about, we got to get the most talented uh, player in the, in the room, we got to get it on our roster with, with the most upside. I just think it has to be Edwards here. You know, you mentioned his, his potential as a pull-up shooter. The form is great. You know, it, it's a little bit over his head, but that what is with his six, nine wingspan at just six, five, he's going to be able to shoot that over just yes. about anybody. Yeah. Um, nobody's going to be able to really contest that, you know, off the dribble. Georgia used him last year. You know, they, you know, some set plays, getting him moving off the ball, cutting baseline. He didn't do it well. He didn't do it instinctively, but we saw if he catches the ball on the move going towards the basket where he just needs two or three steps to get there, he's, he's getting to the foul line at the very, very least. He, he doesn't have like – Edwards is so interesting because like 
he doesn't have like great handles and I think he can get loose, like in a crowd, you know, if people were going to double him on a ball screen or whatever, like it feels like a, a ticking time bomb before he's going to turn it over. Um, but man, it's not like he, a, I think his, I think his handles are mostly fine and I wouldn't say he's got like a, a wipeout crossover, you know, I wouldn't say he's got like a, you know, he doesn't have like a tight crossover and I wouldn't say he's got one of those like loopy, like, you know, maybe you're going to turn it over. Maybe you're going to just shake some guys out of his shoes crossover, but he has that ability. Uh, Monk does this too, man. When they, when they sort of like plant one foot, like they plant that left foot and they cross left to right. And then they get that. Accelerate so and then, quickly. And then they get that. Yeah. And they get that left inside shoulder as they're going left to right on the, like past the defender, the on ball defender shoulder. Right. Like, like it's over dude. And like, yeah. he's going to get to the rim and he might put the big guy on a poster. Like he is so explosive and it's, it's really fun to see when he, you know, if he like rejects a screen, and and goes you know your screen set up to his right he rejects left and and sometimes that's when you get to see those crossover moves sometimes you see him in transition and, and i mean uh, monk did that a lot this season too and it was really effective for him to sort of like crossover and then use that to tunnel his way to the rim find a gap and, and yeah edwards visibility split screens reject screens or just get the edge and go around guys in the half order in transition like it's you you add that to if the shot fully comes online, and I, I do buy a shot, and um, you have a really appealing offensive player, and just the two way aspects of his game. He had on ball flashes defensively this season, and he's so strong in his chest that that yeah. old football player mentality. You're you're like, it's hard you know, to if the, if the yeah. light ever went on, this guy would be a, a, a phenomenal point of attack defender. Could could guard big wings, could guard a variety of position types. I will now. Now I will uh, for briefly push back a little bit on like I think Hayes, Killian Hayes, and, and maybe he doesn't have because athletically he is not as explosive as Edwards. He sort of like is falling short of like the potential where his uh, his his best outcomes are leading him to like superstardom, all star levels. Like like if Edwards can sort of get to that on his own game. But Hayes is a really good two-way player too, and like a, like again, he's not as strong as Edwards. None of these wings are, you know, unless you want to like maybe put Pat Williams in that or something like that. But like Killian Hayes is a really damn good two-way player, like a really really interesting prospect because of that too. And he's a phenomenal team defender, much better than any of these other guards we're mentioning. And uh, and a very good pick and roll defender, good point of attack defender, good hips, can really slide, move, turn ball handlers and stuff as well. It's one of the reasons why, like, if you're finding, I think the best the, the best blend of like fit and talent, um, Hayes makes a lot of sense for you. Now maybe three is too early to take right. him, but um, I really like like Killian Hayes a lot. And if 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 Charlotte goes Killian Hayes at three, like I I would be. Um, I would think that's a pretty good pick, especially if, if you know, Ball and, and Edwards went one, too. Yeah, not yeah. About, a lot of our listeners would agree with us with Killian Hayes. And we'll get to Hayes in a second, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it was like 9% that, that Hayes was in our poll. But back yeah. to what you were saying, Brian, earlier, I, I do like some of Edwards' off-the-dribble skill. I, I, he doesn't have the best handle, like you said, but he does have jab steps and, and step backs and side steps. He can, he can split a pick and roll, and, and when he goes downhill – he can get to the rim and, like Spencer said, at the very least, go to the line. I, I don't think he's a great 
kind of uh, player when it comes to efficiency at the rim, but he, he's above average, I would say. Right. And I don't know why it is like his his form is is fine to me. But as of now, like that's like one of the biggest things I can't get over with Edwards is the fact that he's just not consistent enough as a shooter. He's more of a scorer. He can go get you an ISO bucket yeah. if you need it. Uh, but for whatever reason, that shot hasn't come online yet. But the good news is he's not having to work through some of the mechanical issues that maybe LaMelo Ball might have to. One thing that like Edwards and Ball and Hayes all have, which the Hornets desperately need, is transition offense. Right. Like these guys know how to take defense going into offense. And obviously for the Hornets last year, you, you clearly had to get stops. But all three of these guys are going to add that to the next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just going to mention real quickly with Edwards, like shooting indicators are, are I think, encouraging. Um, he shot only 29% on threes this season. He and Tyrese Maxey, uh, sub, uh, you know, sub 30% uh, three-point shooting club in the SEC. But, um, man, <laughs> over half of his made threes were unassisted. 52% of his threes unassisted this season. So, you know, there's some of the, that shot creation. Um, his two-point attempts away from the rim, 82% uh, of those uh, unassisted as well, two shots is 30%. But And then at the rim, 69% shooting at the rim is pretty good. Um and only 38% of those were assisted. So again, you're seeing that, I think, along with the 77% from the free throw line plus the stroke, there are a lot of indicators to suggest that Anthony Edwards can be a pretty good, become a pretty good mm -hmm. um, you know, three-point shooter in the NBA. There's a lot of stuff pointing in the right direction for him, at least. Yeah, I think and Edwards, you know, he just, again, learning to play the game offensively specifically, he just fell in love with that pull-up you know, top of the arc three last year. I mean, it's just, it was his go-to every time he got the ball and the, and the offense had broken down or Georgia was trailing, which they were in a lot of games, he was chucking that thing. Like he was going to let it fly. And I mean, the Michigan state game, like in Maui, you watch that and you're like, Oh my gosh, when this guy gets in the zone, you saw it in transition. You saw it in the half court. I mean, almost, you know, almost brought them back to win that game self-handedly, but yeah, the guy's got a, he's got a lot to learn, you know, certainly off the ball. I think the question for him long-term is, can he be a first cog? You know, can he play with it? Can he play in the pick and roll? Can he make a? I don't think he's ever going to be like a um, advanced uh, reader of of the floor, setting up his teammates. But if yeah. he can just make, you know, make the defense dig in, you know, respect the role man, kick it to the opposite corner, and just get the offense moving when he can't get to his first, um, I think he's got a chance to be a really good player. But you know, everything else, and then defensively his mental lapses on that end are the mm -hmm. ugliest of any player in this draft, even more so than LaMelo. Like LaMelo, I, I don't know what it is, but Anthony Edwards looks like, like his brain just like cut off for yeah. three or four seconds. Like he will, he'll have these, have these moments where he stares at the ball and his player will, will run from corner to almost opposite corner. He'll cut to the basket and then, and then to the top of the arc. And Edwards is still standing in the short corner. Like he, so, I, I mean, he's just, he has so much to learn I like the interviews with this kid, though, the ones that are available to the public. I like his demeanor. I like his ambition. You know, he seems he seems um, he seems anxious, like in a good way. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can tap into that with a little bit more discipline, um, I think he's got a chance. He just turned 19 to three weeks yeah. ago. Too. Yeah. So you, you, got, you, got, you got a youth factor as well, too. And I think there's plenty. We talk about this all the time, but there there is a lot of there's a lot of um, evidence to suggest that. 
you know, factoring in youth upside development, like, man, that, that really does matter, especially when you're trying to swing for some of these, uh, these, you know, these, these really high leverage picks that near the top of the draft. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm with you on Edwards. I would also say Wiseman in a much smaller sample size has some of those sort of like ugly defensive plays as well too, mm-hmm. just sort of from different, different spots on the court, but um, equally uh, disconcerting uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to, I want to go back to, um, to Killian real quick, Brian, because you, yeah, you're yeah. kind of making the case of why he should be in this top three. And I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I love his game. He's of all these players we've talked about, and really maybe specifically between Edwards and, and LaMelo, um, he's the perfect combination of effort, polish, and just just like pure ability with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I mean, his, his step-back game, his footwork, his ability to read the floor and set up teammates, he's got that European – he's got that craftiness that you don't see much mm-hmm. uh, in a domestic player as much as you do in European players. I mean, it's yeah. just a real thing. I mean, yeah. he's, just, he's got that craftiness. And then – defensively it's how hard i mean it's a little inconsistent still of course it is he's young but when he locks in to brian's point he is going to make the ball change directions he's gonna he's gonna heat it up he's going to make life very difficult on the point of attack and so he is he's got limitations you know athletic with athletically like we talked about and he doesn't have the upside per se that maybe an edwards and Lamelo has but you want to talk about a kid that's probably ready right now to put into a pretty big role on, on basically any roster. I think he is the answer. And that's why Kevin O'Connor, and I'm sure there's others have him number one on their. Yeah. And I, I think mean, he's totally justified. Yeah. I mean, he's been one B for me for oh, basically like the entirety of the summer. Um, and in Spencer, when we did a, the first pod on Hayes a couple months ago, I, I think you and I both sort of mentioned this as well too. Like it, uh, if you have him one, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, he's still like two he, on my big board, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's two right for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with Deion Hayes. I, 3% steal rate this season as well. All the shooting indicators are really good. Didn't shoot it well off the catch this season, but, like, I mean, over 80% from the free throw line. Plenty of self-creation. Like, you see those step-back moves. Man, mm-hmm. he can really separate on those. It, you know, that's one of the things he uses to sort of, like, combat – um, the fact that he's weaker to his right, way weaker to his right hand. You know, a lot of times I want to reject or flip screens and get back left, but that sort of that step back is a thing that can help him as well too. And like, he's going to get better with his right hand. I mean, yeah, it, may, it may be ugly next season and, and defenses will pick on that, but like the way these guys get better, like if he wants to get better, he will, and it will happen quicker than you probably can expect. And like, the, he's already a, a really good driver, he does a great job attacking the top foot of defenders. He does a nice job separating in the lane. I even think, even though he's not like a crazy athlete, his ability because of his length, he's got like a six eight, you know, six nine wingspan. His ability to sort of like uncoil and extend for finishes at the rim, yeah, I think is really impressive too. And and, and Spencer, you brought this up as well, like that that sort of that European flair. It's that ability to sort of like play like like a step in between where everyone else is playing. Yeah, and that craft along with his length, I think he's going to be a pretty good like off the dribble finisher at, at the rim too. Um, well, I was going to say too. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Maybe you do, Brian. But to to the eye, just scouting them on film between Edwards, Lamelo, and Killian. Killian, I would guess, is the best finisher, the most efficient finisher at the rim. His numbers at the rim were good this season. I could I'll, I'll pull them up uh, in a second here. But yeah, they were they were pretty good. 
um, finishing in both uh, over, I think in like in the half board, I have synergies numbers somewhere, um, before I lost access to their international files, but yeah, they were pretty good. And his off dribble shooting numbers were pretty good too. I, I, I'm certain that the, it was an effective shooting rate above 40%, which like not amazing, but for an 18 year old playing that can only drive one way, that's pretty good. And, um, and Spencer, you were also saying this as well too. He, Hayes is the blend of so many different positive things. Yeah. You can also add in fit. I think he's such an mm-hmm. easy fit on this roster. Totally. Agree. Because he can play on the ball and off the ball as can Devante. I actually think people are like a little down on some of the stuff Devante does. And, and I feel like Richie, you and I talked about this during the season, like Devante's relocation skills, I think are pretty good actually. Yeah, and, if you, yeah. and if you allowed him to have someone else that was going to, be able to run the offense and it wasn't all centered around on, you know, Devante assisting on and creating and making every shot. Um, you could, you could use him even more as a, as an off ball, off ball weapon and maybe get even more activity, even if it wasn't sort of like built into the offense of like, Oh, you're running Devante Graham off screens. You might just get more of sort of freelance him relocating and moving around too, because you have a guy like Hayes that can handle the ball and is also exceptional at reading second line help defenders and picking out weak side shooters, both in transition and in the half Half court. court, He is really, really, really good at doing that. And one of the better guards, I don't know if he's the best because, you know, Halliburton ball, those guys can do that really well too, but man, he is damn good at it. I think if you drafted Hayes and and you paired him with Devante, now clearly you wouldn't want to take the ball out of Devante's hands like full time, but if when I see these two on the court together, I see Hayes more of that point guard because he he just plays so well with the ball in his hands. He's an mm-hmm. off the dribble shooter. Uh, he's an effective pick and roll passer. Those those skip passes that you were talking about, Brian, where he just makes it to the opposite corner, where it's just like effortlessly yeah. and it just kind of yeah. zooms on over there, right <laughs> in the shooter's pocket. Yeah. Too. And one player he reminds me of. I know you guys are gonna probably take this in a negative way, and it's maybe because he's left handed, but the way that he you know snakes the pick and rolls and he creates his own shot in the pick and roll, uses step backs, and he kind of takes long twos a lot d'angelo russell yeah, in a way. yeah 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 he's drawn that comparison quite a few times mm-hmm. i just wanted to add Minus quick, the defense. Like, with with killian to to what y'all are both saying like he's he's got that kind of feel lamello has it too but i think killian's a more a little bit more efficient with it like he'll bend a defense just with his vision like with his passing when the defense is not compromised he'll compromise it with one pass um, and Devonte, when he, when we saw this a lot in the second part of the year, and this is why I think there's such a perfect fit. Devonte had to take a lot of shots, a lot of shots against two defenders, but he was also really good at sensing when the second, even right before the second defender started coming or when he felt like the defense was bent just a little bit, he switched the floor. He switched the floor and gave Rozier that lane. Boom. And now we're playing two on one or three on two or whatever it is. I think that, I think that Hayes can do that same thing. I think those two together are going to be really difficult to deal with, even for NBA defenses. And that's why I would just, I would, yes, get the, probably get the most talented player. But if you're, if the most talented player available at three was not the, the number one most talented player you had and Killian Hayes is there, I think it's okay to just hit another double. Yeah, get, I, get another really like that's not a bad. I know the the third pick comes with this, with this sexiness that you feel like if you don't mm-hmm. get an all star, you failed. That's not true. Mm-hmm. We're so far from being in in a competitive state 
in Charlotte that you still have to get it right. And I think Killian Hayes would just be another significant step in the right direction. And to Brian's point, you know, we'd project to have another really good pick next year in a draft that's supposed to be a lot better in a draft that you're going to be able to get these guys, hopefully knock on wood, into your facility and really know. So uh, there's a great argument to be made that Hayes should just be the pick here. Yeah, his ability to play both ends of the court and because he's long and a good on-ball defender, a good team defender, there's some serious versatility. It's like this guy can guard one through three. You know, obviously some wings, you know, not Kawhi or LeBron, you know what I mean? But it's like most big wings, you know, long wings. It's like, yeah, he, he has a puncher's chance against these guys. And um, and against ones and twos, yeah, he's like a, you know, he's a perfect fit. Um, and I think his ability to not only compliment Devante, who, you know, we feel like for the next probably, I think safely because assuming Charlotte's going to extend him, you can just say like Devontae Graham between 25 and 30, if he's, unless he's traded, is going to be a, a, in the backcourt for the Charlotte Hornets, whether that's going to be six man, you know, off the bench offense, or that's going to be him starting at point guard. Hayes does two things that are both nice for you in the, in the short term, you know, the next two to three years and, and perhaps the next decade after that, which is like, if he ends up being a guy that can run an offense, which I feel like this is a guy that has the ability to be, high usage, high assist rate guy, run a lot of ball screens in an offense that lands in the top 10 in terms of efficiency in the league, then Hayes is then the bridge for you after Devontae Graham too. And all of a sudden, then you don't have to scramble like, you know, like they were a season ago after Kemba left being like, who's going to run the damn offense? Devontae stepped up and, and made it them way more competent on that end than anyone could have imagined. But Hayes would sort of perhaps spare you from that. In hell, maybe you luck up in 2021 and you get Cade Cunningham and all of a sudden you're going to war for the next decade with Killian Hayes mm-hmm. and Cade Cunningham and Devante there for half of that as the, you know, your Lou Williams six man type coming off the bench, getting to play with both guys and bomb pull up threes. And just like, how great would he be in, in that type of role? You know, we're way in the, in, in the woods if we're going over those scenarios, but there, there, Hayes just, he is such a nice blend of getting close to being the best prospect available and just like versatile fit that yeah. it makes drafting for the rest of it just makes team building and drafting so it, easier in a variety of different ways going forward, especially if, if he hits, you know, anything above his sort of like median outcomes, you know, anyways, last thing I'll, I'll mention on Hayes here, I did find the numbers um, in 33 games this season across all competitions in Europe for Killian Hayes, 55% effective shooting out of the pick and roll uh, 0.85 points per possession. When he used the possession um, 49% effective shooting, in off dribble jumpers in the half court, 85 attempts, and 59% shooting at the rim in the half court, which is about where about 20% of his overall field goal attempts came from. So not crazy volume, um, but pretty good. I think 59% for a for a for a skinny 18 year old um, is uh, is is pretty damn good actually. Yeah, playing against 30-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I think Hayes, to me, is, is second on my board behind Edwards. Uh, the what, the one place where I struggle right now is my third pick. I know that, Brian, you're high on ball. I mm-hmm. have a tie between ball and a Kongwu. And I want to talk about a Kongwu just, just briefly here. Okay. Clearly, a center is not someone that you typically want to draft this early. But, you know, we're going from one pick-and-roll guard in Hayes to a pick-and-roll big with a Kongwu. Um, he just knows 
you know, when, when he's in these situations as a pick and roll, he knows when to roll. He knows when to keep the guard on his back. And then when he gets the ball going towards the rim, he can finish with either hand. I think he's a very versatile player, uh, more than he actually showed at USC. Uh, he's versatile on the defensive side as well when it comes to defending the pick and roll. I don't think he's going to be a big that is limited to just kind of a drop coverage. And then one of his biggest assets is his rim protection, uh, his length, his strength, his positioning, almost averaging, what, like three blocks a game. But, you know, this yeah. guy, I just, I don't know if I can put him ahead of ball, but if Edwards and Hayes were gone at 1-2, I'm not saying that that's happening, I would have some kind of um, kind of consideration here between a Kongwu and ball, as crazy as that sounds. Let no, I, I don't, I mean, I, I would go ball, but I like a Kongwu a lot. I yeah. really, well, I really, really do. Let me pose it this way, Brian. Let's say Ball's yeah. off the table and like Edwards is your third guy. Would you consider him over Edwards? Because that, that, that's probably a tougher decision in your mind. I would consider it, but I would still go Edwards. Um, I'll, a couple things I'll say about Okongwu, because I watched a bunch of him last weekend, um, including a game against Stanford where they USC let him switch a fair amount onto some good guards, including uh, Tyrell Terry, who's going to be a top you know 27 pick or whatever in the draft this season. Okongwu was awesome. Uh, Terry didn't score on him one time in a switch. And in fact, Okongwu stayed in front of him and forced him into some bad passes, some bad late clock shots. Um, it was pretty eye-opening to see him do some of those things. And if you want to talk about pick and roll bigs, watch the way that Okongwu gets out of his break. What I mean from that is by when he screens and then like spins and opens up to roll, he's so fast and fluid at doing that. And you compare it to Wiseman, who's so robotic and almost like wooden lumber. Um, yeah, it is. It is not it is. It is not apples to apples. Kongwu far more, in my opinion, just smooth and, and quick. And especially when he does it on some of those like empty side moves, it's like, it's like one fluid mode without him slipping the screen. It's like one fluid motion from screen to like, I've opened up and I'm rolling to the hoop. Um, yeah. It's, it's really impressive. He's, he's, he is a, terrific athlete and his ability to like high point the ball um some of these passes you know he caught in traffic are are crazy and i think his footwork in the post and on the short roll is really appealing to uh if they went a kongu at three i know they're I, again I, I hear some of the detractions and why you know they could probably get centers that are you know equally as good at guarding pick and roll if not better than him later in the draft i hear like i hear that i i, I hear the, the you know the the considerations for Zeke Naji or Paul Reed or Xavier Tillman, all of whom ha, I would covet and love to see on Charlotte's roster at, at pick thirty two, but uh, a Kongwu man, he can really do some some special things. So um, yeah, I, if he was the pick at three, I would feel I would feel pretty good about it. Wiseman though, uh, it's a whole other conversation. Yeah, I, I think three is probably, you know, a little rich for my blood, you know, but I, I agree with what you guys have said about him. I, I love Okongwu as a, as a prospect, you know, to add on to what Brian was saying. I, one of my favorite things about watching him is how quickly he gets off his feet. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's uh, it doesn't quite add up because sometimes you watch him and you think, he seems a little heavy footed, um, but but that could also just be, uh, you know, some indecision, you know, and just learning how to play the game as well. But how quickly he gets off his feet to finish or to block a shot. And then a second jump. You know, we talk about second jump a lot with, with yes. Biggs. He's got that ability uh, at a very high level. And he's, he's just a super coordinated guy that's 6'10", almost 250 pounds. I mean, it's 
you know, we'll see with him. And I think in today's NBA, he'll have no problem playing five long term yeah. uh, for most of minutes. Uh, I, mean, I think that's that's ultimately like the really big question. There might be some bigger bruising bigs that, that might give him a little bit of issue. But, um, yeah, I love this guy's, you know, as a very switchable defensive player, an offensive guy, too, that in the role can make decisions. He didn't make mm-hmm. a lot of good decisions at USC, but <laughs> I've said this before. I think that was one of the weirdest fits uh, or just – talents that there's not many talents in college basketball last season that were misused i think as bad as okongwu was so i I think you know offensively wasn't in a great situation didn't really have a defined role but i think he can be uh, a guy on the short roll that can make some plays not high level plays Mm -hmm. but he's not he's not hassan whiteside you know going down the lane yeah Um, yeah so i I mean i i I believe in okongwu i i do not think that this kid is going to fail in the NBA. I think he's yeah. going to be a long-term NBA center that starts in his in his league average. I think his you know his high point would be you know top five center in the NBA. Yeah, point. yeah. I mean, a guy that can play like if he figure if he becomes the kind of switch defender and short roll playmaker. Like if he hits those outer bands of his development, a guy that can absolutely play leverage minutes. Yeah, and so I know we're we're running up against the clock here. And so but if, if you will just in, indulge me for one second, I, I really want to get this in during the, the podcast. Just look, one thing I want to bring up uh, with regards to drafting Wiseman. And look, maybe you can you can throw a Kongu into this too. I do think some of the things that we just hit on sort of remove him from this hypothetical, but from a, from a value standpoint, I'm just not sure how you can look around and see where the league is and determine it makes a lot of sense to use a top three pick on a center that is limited offensively right now and questionable as a pick and roll defender. Look what's happening down in the bubble. Um, the biggest like on court story are these young and old high usage guards and wings destroying defenses by running pick and roll. Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Kemba, Jason Tatum, LeBron. And they're doing it a lot of times against pick and roll uh, big men that are, are struggling to guard the ball screens like, uh, like Jokic. Um, that's just sort of one example, but uh, like what Philadelphia was having to do with Joel Embiid. And you know, if you want to question Brett Brown or Mike Malone for how they're deploying their defenses, that's fine too. But if you're having to adjust your defender and like put him on a spot up guy, then that knocks off some of your, your rim protection. And like, this isn't just a one year thing, an isolated thing to just the bubble. We've been here for several years now, like, you know, Steph Curry or Harden, whomever it was like they ushered in this era and if you draft Wiseman, you're getting a center, a five, with a discrete set of skills that no doubt works in the NBA. Drop on the pick and roll, try to protect the rim, rebound, run the court, catch lobs. Like we know that that works. That has some sort of baseline value. But if you're trying to if you're trying to maximize value, and if you're considering the postseason, if you're considering leverage minutes then you've got to be ready to know that Wiseman may feel well short of being able to help you out in those scenarios, even if he hits like a median outcome. Do you know what I'm saying? And if that's the case, man, it's a massive risk to go with a player like Wiseman, even though he can, you know, he's seven one, he's got a great reach and would be nice to know if he had to see an official measurement from the combine, because there were even some people the other day sort of questioning whether some of his, his standing reach numbers or, you know, wingspan numbers were legit, but just like, he's got all these, you know, this, this frame and the size, but 
I, man, it's, it's just, it's a huge risk. It really is. Yeah. And um, look, if they draft him at three, the sky is not falling um, because I think he just found a, you know, a rotation piece, but, and you know, you're destined to pick, have a high pick in 2021, which that's, that's a good thing as well too. It's just, it, I don't know. I don't mean this to be a knock on Wiseman because I think he's going to play in the NBA for a while, but just like he would need to make, in an extraordinary leap on both ends of the court for him to make sense in some of these playoff series that we're seeing now, or he needs to be like Gobert, you know, like, like these are the, like with his current skill set, it's like he needs to be Gobert or he needs to really expand on both ends of the court, what he's capable of doing. Yeah. And these centers that we're talking about, Brian, great point. It's a great point. These centers we're talking about, Nikola Jokic is the best big man passer yes. to ever play the game. Number yes. one. Okay. Yes. And, and then Joel Embiid, who Mark Jackson was on, uh, you know, ESPN one year ago saying, I mean, this guy is going to be one of the best ones ever to play this position. I mean, there's no question about it. So, yes. And now we're talking about them in the postseason a year later being like, I mean, what do you do with them? What do you do with them defensively against these these bombing guards that just float into pull-up threes or yes. range shots? You know, yes. so it's, I, I, to, I totally agree. I mean, this is this is not rocket science with James Wiseman. Unless you feel like you've got the best player development staff in the league, you're you are making a deal with the devil by drafting this guy in the top three. I could not agree yeah. more. All yeah. the and and Embiid is at times the best defensive center in the world. Right. And and Philadelphia was still just dropping him back and watching Kemba and Jason Tatum just rain fire from twenty five feet. Um, on top of them. And look, there were some other issues like with how they had to do their you know perimeter matchups without Simmons, but it's like, and then even a guy like Gobert, two times the defensive player of the year, you know, maybe I, you know, if you took consensus, he's the best sort of like best defensive center in the NBA over the course of the last five years, you know, really like in the post white Howard era. Well, Miles Turner, another one. I mean, he's top yeah. three in the league and blocks every year. I mean, Goran Dragic just burned him to a crisp. Yeah, the, the, we've seen the Jazz got so sick and tired of seeing Gobert reduced in the playoffs in terms of his defensive output because Harden and Chris Paul with the Rockets, that they literally went down to the bubble and you know moved their matchups around. Or maybe Denver did this as well, too, so they could sort of like avoid the Houston flamethrowers and – yeah, I mean, like part of part of the issues with Denver is like I mean, even even Jamal Murray's given them some fits, but you know, obviously Gobert's been amazing and defensively in that series. It's just like even with the best defensive centers in the world, this is still a super super uh, big concern. So yeah, yeah and that's why it's like Wiseman would have to make just exponential leaps, yeah, for this not to be a problem eventually. You know, if the Hornets. Right. Make the playoffs and are in, you know, <laughs> leverage actual like high leverage, yeah. yeah, moments, yeah, yeah. I definitely with the trends and, and the way that the offense is going on the NBA level, Wiseman doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think seventy five percent of these three hundred votes that came in were for Wiseman, so they would they would disagree with us. But like you're saying, Brian, like he would have to make leaps elsewhere to make it worth it. So I I, I would still take a Kongu over Wiseman even if you know we weren't talking about high leverage situations, but that is a big factor as to why I like double O over Wiseman among many other things. So thanks again, guys, for tuning in to another Buzz Beat. Also for our next episode, which we'll probably go live for, uh, we're gonna finally reveal our big board number 21 to 30. So we will see you guys next week. Did somebody say playoffs? 
NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> 